World of Blazing brings you a podcast based on truth, spoken boldly. Join the man on fire, John Sublon, as he takes on issues of faith and culture, always faithful, always real. This is True Faith, Real Talk, and now the man on fire, John Sublon. Welcome to another episode of True Faith, Real Talk. I'm your host, the man on fire, John Sublon of johnsublon.com. And uh, I know I look a little bit different today. I'm kind of dressed up, but that's the life of a servant who goes from one thing to the next. So didn't have time to do the dress down to make y'all feel a little bit more comfortable, but such is life. So excited for my guest today, as usual, uh, bring on a, a guest to kind of talk shop, talk about conversion, talk about things of faith and culture. And my guest today, I you know kind of ran into him through social media, checked out his podcast, checked out his website, and come to find out he's part of a ministry that's kind of similar to what we got going on at World of Blaze Incorporated. Matter of fact, they're called Ablaze Ministries. So I want to welcome to the show, um, of course, a brother in Christ, but somebody who I just met and am excited to get on this show, Mr. Taylor Schroll. Hey, brother. Hey, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we got connected. And uh, I did some research on you myself before I agreed to come on and you checked out. So I'm here. This is always the case, right? When somebody asks us, right, we start Googling like, who is this guy? Is he some crazy yoga Catholic dude or something? Um, You know, I appreciate it. So, hey, real quick, Taylor, while we um, as we kick this off, let's talk about, uh, you know, your faith, at least from if there's a conversion or a reversion moment for you. Most of my listeners and viewers know that. I'm a, I'm a prodigal son. Um, I'm, I'm a revert back to the faith, although born into the church early, early on, 27 days after I was born. Um, I, I lived a pretty difficult life, and so that led to a, a wayward life. But son of the most high God now, and I'm definitely living as a soldier for Christ. So do you have any of those, uh, those tidbits about your life that you can share? Well, yeah, I tried to be a prodigal son, but my mom wouldn't let me, you know, so like that woman's prayers and that woman's just constant hovering over me when I was trying to be a little brat or when I was being a little brat, she, uh, she kept me in line. So yeah, I mean, my, my story is like, it's, it's crazy. Cause I used to think that like, oh, I don't have this crazy conversion story. I don't have this big moment. It was a bunch of little moments with some bigger moments. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been cool. The longer I've been doing this, the longer I've been in ministry, the more I realized that is most people's story. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, the majority of people that are in the church are there because they were born to, to parents that, that, that were in the church. Now, um, so that, I mean, that's my story, man, where I just, I grew up in the church, hated going to RE, hated going to CCE, hated going to mass, uh, cause it was just boring, the same things over and over and over again. And then I got into high school, actually, uh, started going to a, a Protestant church. I had dual citizenship mm-hmm. with the non-denom church and the Catholic church. Cause again, my mom wouldn't let me fully leave. Mm-hmm. She knew I hated waking up early. So she said, Hey, you can go to 8 AM mass with me, which I didn't like. And then I'll take you to the Protestant service. I said, okay, okay, okay. And like the Jesus that I really encountered there that I learned about when I was a kid, I really encountered him in the scriptures and in the in the preaching at that church. And then two years later, I found him at a Catholic conference in the Eucharist. I'm like, all right, I get it now. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been, it, it has been those moments and those, those steps forward, those steps forward, those steps back, steps forward. But I'm just a, I'm, I'm a pretty typical Catholic in that sense. You know, um, it's, it's great that you bring that up because I think this is something that you know, I was hoping to get into with you um, is that why, why does it take, this is a struggle, right? You work in ministry now, you know, you're part of an evangelization um, apostolate now, but the, the thing that 
I struggle with, and I've been involved at all different levels of, in, in whether it be uh, youth, young adult, uh, adult faith ministry at the diocesan level, at the parish level, and now through our own ministry work through World of Blaze Incorporated, and as a speaker and as evangelist, is you talk about how, you know, stepping out into the Protestant faith in order to find Jesus. And yet you realize that through, uh, obviously, a conference, I'm imagining, is that a Steubenville conference that you went to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Go (laughs) Uh, That you encountered our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar. And I think it's such a tragedy, right? Because my wife's a convert to the faith. And so she always say, man, you Catholics, you you cradle Catholics are spoiled. And she's right. It's like we take this for granted. You know, it's like it's you have kids, Taylor. So you probably know this, right? Whenever our kids go spend the night at somebody else's house, their food's always better. Right. They could have saltines in their in, in their in their pantry. Be like, man, I had the best saltines over at Johnny's house. And you're like. We have the same ones, and they're actually, uh, you know, right. name, name brand. They're like, I don't know, they're just, they're just better at Johnny's house. And I feel like that's how we are with our faith. You know, that it, so, what, you know, what can you speak to on that end, both personally and obviously in the work that you do in the Lord's Vineyard, to where that, to me, that's a problem, right, is that we, 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 we are spoiled. We take that for granted. But what say you, though? Yeah, I think there's a balance. There's an absolute balance between what you're saying, where it's like where the grass is always greener, right? Where like, you know, the more I've done this, the more I've gotten into like some ministry circles with some, you know, Protestant youth ministers and stuff. Like we, we meet together and pray together and kind of talk shop and they have a lot of the same problems, right? So it, it, it is that grass is always greener, but at the same time, it's like that's balanced with the heartbreak of like God always meant for their to be one church, like Jesus established one church. And I think like for, for, for me, like with my story and the more that I've worked in ministry, I see it that like, that is a, uh, I don't know if not punishment in the right word, but like the, the lack of like reverence for the scripture and knowledge of the scripture. Mm-hmm. I see that lacking in many Catholic circles. Now there's been huge advancements in that in the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but a love for the scripture is a Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. But I think our Protestant brothers and sisters, when they when when it got split off, it's like we are meant to be one body. Mm-hmm. So our love for the scriptures was meant to be part of that one body. Mm-hmm. And it is sad that it kind of took me stepping out into that other part of the body. Uh, and so like really it's a sadness for me of us not being one mm-hmm. because I feel like we would be more full if we were one. We would have some of these great Protestant leaders as Catholic leaders, we would have this love for the scripture combined with this love and uh, for the Eucharist, right? Like it's the same Jesus in the liturgy of the word, the liturgy of the Eucharist, right? Um, so yeah, so I, I think that we have a lot, like, I think both sides have a lot to learn from each other because we were meant to be one and we've kind of uh, taken, uh, like we kind of have the upper hand in like liturgical things and like the real presence, but they do have an upper hand a lot of times in their, in their love and reverence for the scriptures. And like those two things were always meant to be one. And if we were one, they would be, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of our issue with the, uh, the challenge that we've had with catechesis and formation, right? So um, I, I know for me, there's a heart for um, trying to bring people back, right? To understand truly the, the Catholic faith in, in its authenticity, in its tradition, in what we've obviously started. Everyone for 1,500 years was Catholic, right? Until, until the, uh, yeah. the Reformation. <laughs> so let's talk, uh, let's go into a little bit about you. I know you've, you wear many hats. First and foremost, you're a husband and a father, um, uh, but you're also uh, you know, a podcaster, a radio host. Um, you're an evangelist, a speaker yourself. Can you give uh, the listeners, uh, at least my listeners who, don't, who aren't familiar with you, a little bit of your background on just who Taylor's role is? 
Yeah, for sure. And first of all, the reason I wear many hats is because I don't have hair at all. <laughs> and nevertheless, hair that looks as good as yours. So I've got to wear many hats just to cover up. Like the, the setup that I have right now where I'm recording this, there's one very bad light. You have great lighting. I haven't upgraded my lighting yet. If I wasn't wearing this hat, my entire face would just be a light bulb. So, <laughs> But yeah, so like who I am, I... Um, I had that, you know, that, that, that little, a bunch of mini conversion experiences in high school. And because like, that's when I really started getting into my faith, I fell in love with youth ministry and I wanted to give back what I had received. Right. So I've been, uh, I went to school to study, I have a double major in, in music and in, uh, theology. So like, that's all I wanted to do was to work in youth ministry and kind of give back what I received, uh, ended up doing that. I went to grad school for it. Drop, I'm, a, I'm a grad school dropout because I got married that same year and we uh, got pregnant and had a baby right after that. Uh, so I said sayonara to school and I went to go make the big bucks in Catholic youth ministry, you know. So, <laughs> so, um, where, so where did you go to school for your undergrad? I went, uh, see, you're, you're backing me into a corner. I will tell you, but I will preface it with, I can't tell anybody where I went to undergrad because it, it offends half of the Catholics. And I can't tell anybody where I went to grad school because it offends the other yeah, half. The half? Of Catholics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I like to get speaking gigs. Uh, so I usually don't tell it, but <laughs> exclusively for you, I went to the university of incarnate word in San Antonio, okay. uh, which, uh, doesn't let's, let's be. I still want to keep my jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, does not have the greatest Catholic identity yeah. um, and is on one side of the church. And then I went to Franciscan for grad school, which the other half don't like that. So I just keep shut most of the time. And I'm like, hey, look, I think I'm good at my job and other people do too. Would you like to hire me on that merit oh, and yeah. not the merit of either school? Because they're very different from each other. <laughs> they, they are. No. And you know what? I have personal experience, not necessarily from an education perspective, but having sent kids to Catholic school, both those that are Catholic by name only and those like Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio, which I had uh, actually one son graduate from a son that's currently there. So I get it, man. But appreciate the background. How do you that. have... How do you have sons that old? You look like you're like 28. You know what happens, Taylor? <laughs> See, when you meet your your beloved in kindergarten and you get married in first grade, it's all it's all downhill from there, right? <laughs> I mean, it is. I've got good. I've, it's that is that Asian Pacific Islander skin that just keeps me glowing, brother. And good lighting, of course, as you commented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so obviously you had you had uh, you got married, you got pregnant uh, early on, and then of course. Well, now, I wasn't pregnant. Well, yeah, you you helped co-create though. With I your look wife, pregnant right. now, but that's a whole other issue. Oh, man. We're going to have to have a whole other segment on that, boy. Yeah. I, I'm 45 pounds lighter than I was when my, my youngest child was born. So definitely, I know that really? feeling. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, uh, So, okay. So then you, because um, I was reading, obviously, a little bit about your bio. So you got into youth ministry and then with the Blaze? Or t what's your role today? Yeah. One of those hats. Yes. Yeah. So I, I started working in youth ministry in a parish. And uh, like most people who work in youth ministry in a parish, um, there's an experience of three things. One, there's not much training. Uh, there's not much like mentorship and, and growth. There's not much community because usually when you get hired as a youth minister, you bring the average age of the parish down by about 148 years. Um, and then there's no money, right? Yeah. So like I, I was uh, married. We had our first kid. Uh, while I had that job, we had our second kid. And I literally couldn't afford to provide for my family doing this thing. That's the only thing that I ever wanted. So it was like hard. I was like, God, like this is all I ever wanted to do. And now I can't because my primary vocation, like I need to 
take a different job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually leaving ministry whenever I found Ablaze, where I work now, uh, which is a, a youth ministry missionary, missionary organization, uh, which aims to solve those three problems. We, the lack of community, like we work as a community. We, we pray together every morning as a staff. We work together in a central office and then go out to the parishes to work. Uh, everybody on staff has, has training throughout the year and has a mentor that's guiding them. Like me, like I have somebody that I'm mentoring and I have somebody that's mentoring me, um, kind of that discipleship model. And then because we're missionaries, like I'm able to fundraise the salary that I need to provide for my myself, my wife, and, and our three kids, uh, and to be able to stay in ministry. So it was really freeing for me to, to find this. All right, let's, let's unpack that a little bit, because um, that I find that absolutely intriguing and fascinating, because I think one of the biggest problems that we have in the church, matter of fact, just to kind of bring this home, I was, I was at a, doing a talk recently, and um, you know, had, keep, had a discussion with a, with a youth minister struggling with the same thing, right, is that this is a problem in the church that, for whatever reason, People who are well-educated, well-formed, who have a, a fire in their heart for Christ and to evangelize and disciple others, um, I guess, have to come and make nothing. And then when it becomes, yeah. we expect the same group of people to, you know, essentially propagate the rest of the earth with more disciples and more um, of soldiers for Christ, and yet we don't want to pay them anything. And yet we know it's a critical ministry because of how many youth are walking away from the faith. So what's the, what's the, if you can share, I don't know, but I think that's awesome. If there's a ministry out there that can meet and fill that gap where parishes and dioceses can't do it themselves for whatever reason. Can you speak to how a blaze fills that, that, that need? Yeah. uh, Which do you mean for the parishes or for like youth ministers themselves? Because I I can talk about either. I think both, right? Yeah. What is it just to help people get familiar with, uh, and and just to kind of uh, level set the the listeners out there, right? I think it's kind of interesting. I always think it's neat because uh, World of Blaze, which is the apostate that I'm co-founder president of, Taylor, is is grounded on faith formation and evangelization. And so we took a different model where we're saying, look, we, we, we got tired of having to travel to the bigger cities to be able to experience these conferences and events and workshops and retreats. And so we were going to try to serve that need at home. We were a small diocese to 35 yeah. parishes. So we were trying to meet the needs of our local church, which is really where apostolic work starts, right? Is at the parish level. Yeah. And so that's what we've kind of grown to now. Now we're starting to do digital media and, you know, I'm a traveling, uh, you know, uh, preacher and evangelist myself to help kind of uh, spread the word of that God's word really. But um, a blaze ministries, obviously in, is maybe we can start there first. I'm going to be all over the place. So I apologize. Sure. A blaze. No, where, no. where did it get the, the name from? I wonder if there's similar. Uh, we stole it from you. No, I, I'm just yeah, kidding. I'm I just was kidding. wondering. That. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just heard of you two, th- 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 three weeks ago. So that can't be the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we actually started the name things kind of ridiculous. We started with a terrible name, uh, uh, but this was before I got there. I had nothing to do with this. And let's just say that within nine months of me working here, the name had changed. Um, Coincidence? I think not, but go ahead. You, you can decide <laughs> what that means. So um, the name before, the ministry I joined was called Collaborative Catholic Formation Ministries. Very descriptive. Wow. We were a collaborative group of Catholics doing formation and ministry. Uh, tried telling that to people. Where do you work? Ugh. Like every time somebody asks me, just, oh, I'm so tired of saying this over and over again. <laughs> so we changed it. Um you know, the, the, the St. Catherine of Siena quote, you know, uh, uh, I, I wish it was already blazing. I wish the world was already yeah. ablaze, you know. So, um, so yeah, so, like, that's that's kind of where the name came from. And then, like, our 
our mission is just like there, there's so much lacking in Catholic youth ministry. You know, we talked about the Catholic Protestant thing. Ca- youth ministry, Catholic youth ministry has been two, three decades behind Protestant youth ministry for so long. Um, some of the best growth and training that I've had in my ministry is going to Protestant ministry training taking that home, adding sacraments to it, <laughs> and then going, you know, yeah. because like, cause, cause their, their methods are so good, and we have the content, boom, let's put them together, and let's do some work, right? Yeah. So what Ablaze does is we partner with parishes. A lot of our parishes, because we're missionaries, probably similar to some of the things that you were saying, it's like some of these parishes have never had youth ministry before, um, either because of finances, or they're out of the way, or they're not in the big cities, that sort of thing. Um, so we partner with them to be their first youth ministry team. Other parishes that we're working with are parishes that have had it, but we're kind of tired of the stagnation and kind of the old that old school version of ministry. Um, so they asked us to come in to breathe, breathe new life into to, you know for to, for just to take our team and our model and just kind of uh, wreak havoc on the crap that has been before. You know, like and like we've all done it too. Like I, I've been involved with some ministry stuff that I wish that I had done better back then. You know, we all grow and learn, but so many youth ministers, it's like they were good a decade ago and they just never adapted, right? Never kind of took the next step in what that ministry looked like. And we're trying to, we're trying to always be um, on the cutting edge of those things, the green growing edge of those things to try to um, meet kids where they're at today, not where they were 10 years ago. Now your role there is as outreach marketing director, correct? Correct. Okay. So if you were to give that marketing pitch to those out there looking for um, this type of service, what is it? What, what could you say separates a blaze ministry and the missionaries that you have internally that would make sense for them to contract services with an organization like yourself? Yeah. So like, I mean, the, t- the typical youth minister mm-hmm. is asked to come in and do K through 12 everything, do all the sacramental prep, do it all perfectly, make everybody happy for, you know, 12 cents an hour, you know, like, so the, the burnout rate, like, you know, this, like mm-hmm. the average youth minister is lasting 18 to 24 months. Think about any other profession. Mm-hmm. There was any other bankers, lawyers, uh, like our world would fall apart if people just quit those professions after 18 to 24 months, that profession would just go into shambles and would never move forward. Does this sound familiar? Obviously, mm-hmm. like that's exactly what has happened in Catholic youth ministry. So, like, what what we what we can bring is like there there can be other youth ministers who are just as dynamic and doing just great things, uh, just as great things. But like, what about what happens in eighteen months? What happens in twenty four months? Mm-hmm. Those people are burning out because of the lack of formation. Nobody wants to do a job that they don't feel like they're growing in or getting better in. And so many youth ministers are hired right out of college because they wear skinny jeans and play guitar and have some kind of love for Jesus. Here you go, you know, here's a ministry mm-hmm. for you. And it's like, like we want the stability in the ministry to be able to like have like to be able to walk with these kids. Like there's a, like the parish that I'm I'm at. Like I'm an older brother to an entire high school because <laughs> like, I've been there for five years. I've been their campus minister. I've been at all the retreats. I'm their track coach. Like I'm, I'm in their lives, whether they like it or not <laughs> sometimes, you know? Um, but yeah, like the, the thing is like, because we're working in community, our focus on prayer together as a community, like we're not going to, we're not going to burn out. And when we get overworked, we have the team to rely on. Like, Oh, if, if I'm not if, I, if I'm exhausted and frustrated, there's somebody there to encourage me and to pick up part of my work. And we, we do that for each other. So that's, awesome. that's the biggest thing is it, it's a healthier version of ministry than just your typical youth minister in a parish. Um, and we can do it for a lot of parishes who have never had it before because of how 
were funded through the missionary fundraising model. That's awesome. Now, let me ask you, because it's uh, my sons and I just did, we have a pod- podcast called Priest, Prophet, King, and it's kind of bridging that gap um, of generations. You know, my who, son- is, who is who? <laughs> who's the priest? Who's the prophet? Who's the king? Well, technically speaking, <laughs> being that I am the head of the household, I would be the priest. <laughs> Um, of, of my home. Um, uh, but we're all through our baptismal promises, of course, that we are all wearing those hats together. Uh, but that's a good point. I'm going to have to ask them, who is the priest, prophet, and king? Yeah. So. so if you're the priest, then that just means you just said one of your kids is the king and the other isn't. So that's I'll right. let you deal with that yeah. at home. Well, I'm not going to let them listen to this one, Taylor, at all. I'll just go ahead and edit this part of it. It's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> but, but one of our episodes that uh, we haven't released yet, but one of what we talked about was kind of problems with youth ministry from their perspective. And so I wanted to bring this up as somebody who's in knee deep in all of this, who's experienced it for himself, had your own reversion, conversion moments throughout it and deal with this on a day in, day out basis. And one of the things that we bring up is the the challenge with youth ministry from our perspective again. um, But what we've seen thus far is the the emotional experience of the youth that tends to fizzle away. Right. So it's like that seed sown on you know, rocky ground that, you know, once those emotions go away, the idea of sacrificial love, that idea of, of the cross, that idea of, you know, the passion and conforming all that we have to the mystery of Christ's suffering kind of, it wasn't there to begin with because it's always been this emotional high. Um, and any right. of us who've been to, to like a Steubenville conference, right? You see great, great conversion, but we know about the retreat highs, right? Two weeks later, two months later, whatever it may be it goes away because of whatever it dissipates because maybe the world's shouting too much. But can you speak to that just in your own personal experience and, and perhaps what you think, if you do think it's a problem, what do you think the solution is? Yeah. So I think there's been this pendulum swing over the last uh, few years where it was like, it was all emotion in like the seventies and eighties. <laughs> and then we were like, Nope, we hate that. So we went all intellectual and then people left because there was no feeling in it. And it's like, the the beauty of Catholicism is should our faith be emotional? Should our faith be rational? The answer is yes. Like, you know, we don't have to we don't have to choose, right? Mm-hmm. So there is this danger on one side if it is just exactly what you were saying. If it's just the emotional part, what happens a lot, um, I think where I see the problem is there's this emotional experience on the retreat, and then there's nothing whenever they get home to continue to feed them, right? So it's that whole idea of Paul saying, you know, like when I first started, I was getting milk and then I needed to move on to the meat, right? Like, you know, I moved away from the milk and went to the meat. And so a lot of times these retreat experiences can be the milk. It's like, oh yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm totally into this whole Jesus thing, either for the first time or the first time in a while. And then it starts to fade fade away. Mm -hmm. And that's natural. Like that's natural to not be as excited about something that happened a week ago, three weeks ago, two months ago, you start to forget about it. But who is there walking with these young people a week later, two weeks later, six months later to be, okay, are you ready to take that next step? Like you're feeling good. Let's, let's utilize this and let's start doing discipleship. Let's start forming the mind. Let's start taking the next step in our faith, right? So they're, like our our emotions and our feelings. I've been talking about David a lot recently. David's been on my heart mm-hmm. and kind of in my prayer a lot. And it's like we look at the Psalms, right? Mm-hmm. But like, so like there are people. And I'm not saying you're you're not saying this, but there are people who have said like maybe five ten years ago we need to cut all emotion out because it means nothing. It's like read the Psalms, dude. Like mm-hmm. David goes goes back and forth between. Uh, God, you are awesome, and I praise you, and you're wonderful, to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Both are extremely emotional, but he has 
He has both and in almost all of them. Even when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Six verses later, he turns back and he's like, but I will still praise you. I, I'm, it's this choice, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where we want to get young people is the emotion. You're not really making a choice fully to care. When that emotion starts to fade, that that choice of the will and being able to chew on that meat to continue to make that choice. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think I think we're both and right. I think that's the yeah, issue. Is yeah, that yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very emotional person, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm a third order Dominican. So you know, I think about it on the fee as we're as we're happy recording. feast day. Thank yeah, you, thank you. On the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on one of the greatest minds the church and the world has ever known in Saint Thomas Aquinas. Right. He he talks about knowledge being the primary virtue because it leads to love. Right. You can't love that which you don't know. And so um, and 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 I think it is a both. And and I think when we only try to replicate what the world has to offer in the sensory way, in the emotional way that anything on that on that front is going to be short lived and, and, and won't endure. And I think uh, it, to your point that we need to spend more time um transitioning people from milk and honey to meat and potatoes when it comes to the the faith, right? Because if they don't know the why, then having the what doesn't necessarily matter because a lot of people show up in the church and they they go through the mechanics of it. You know, cultural Catholicism is dead in the sense of um, there's no life, there's no vibrancy in it because people don't even understand the why behind it. So I I think that's a, you know, great, great point that we've, we can't swing the pendulum either way. You know, I'm a, I'm a person that kind of lives, I, I've got my, you know, I've got like one foot in Novus Odo and, and, and one foot in the extraordinary form of the mass. As I've grown to be a meat potato guy, right, I've, um, I've learned to love the silence and the reverence in, in the Latin mass. The same, same way was I wasn't at a point ready for the Dr. Scott Hans or the Dr. Bergmans of the world when I was needing to be fed milk and honey and I needed to get the St. Paul moment. I needed somebody to cut right to my heart and, and speak to me in a way that I needed to be spoken to. And then once I did, then it's like I'm relating to all these scholars and, and these you know theologians, the fact that I am a Dominican life profess and that study is a form of prayer and that, that I can share the fruits of that study with other people i mean all of that came by way of maturing in my faith and so i get that and that's a challenge i think um, that we're both pointing out in youth ministry specifically um, when it comes to the evangelization and the formation the one thing i would uh add to that because i think this is another problem and i would like your opinion and point of view on it because just had a uh a good conversation with a um, my friend of mine who does the work of a, a dre and we we're just you know this struggle with trying to evangelize kids who, especially in the sacramental way, right? You know, holding people hostage over this or holding people hostage to the sacraments. So think about confirmation. And I'm not sure in your diocese when you guys confirm, but in my diocese, it's, it's typically at the eighth grade level, right? So we're dealing with junior high students. And what we see in youth ministry uh, is, you know, the kids come and they get their first Holy Communion in second grade, and then you don't see them until they have to come back for confirmation. And so we got to deal with a six, seven-year gap of kids trying to come in all of a sudden, care and learn about Jesus when Jesus hasn't been a part of their life. And so I've always been of the point of view, and I want your, your, your take on this, is that really youth ministry, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, is unnecessary if families are doing what they need to do, right, in formation as the primary educators of the faith. Now, what I mean by that is that youth ministry then becomes a really more of a, an experience of faith at their peer group level. So it's less of a burden on the tailors of the world or any other youth minister to all of a sudden give everything, give all the meat and potatoes in an hour a week 
right? Um, and try to form these kids to go understand the why and defend their faith. It's a less a burden on them, and it's more about creating a, an environment of peer fellowship and experiencing Jesus in the different ways, but not the primary method of which they experience the rational understanding of what we do, as well as just the prayerful and loving um, community of the family, the domestic church. What do you think about, yeah. I, I mean, thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the two things that we have to hold it, uh, try to hold them together while they are constantly trying to be contrasted, oh, yeah. where it's like the church says over and over and over again, the primary catechists for young people are the parents, is is within the family context. The reason that I have a job is because most people abdicate that responsibility, Amen. right? So it's, it's, it's a sad reason, but then it's okay. That is, that is true. I don't want it to be true, but it's true. Um, so what is my role? And I, th- I think the longer I've been in this, the more that I've realized that there, um, when it comes to like sacramental prep, like ours is in 10th grade. So two, two years later, um, the more that I realized that most people, and I was like this until maybe two years ago, I've been doing ministry for o- over 10 years and, and I'd made this shift in how I think about doing sacramental prep like a year or two ago. Because like there's all this stuff. It's like we have to, you know, you even said it like we have to give them the milk and the potatoes. We have to get them all the teachings of the church and all the teachings of the, of the like they're here. We only have them for an hour a week for six months before they're confirmed. We got to give them all that. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, let's just take a step back. Let's just take a step back. Uh, like you said, like we can't hold the sacrament hostage or hold them hostage with the sacrament. Mm-hmm. The sacrament is welcome to all people. Like we can't withhold it. And there's this truth that we have, they have to be properly disposed to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're hold, all these things are going back and back and forth um, to where like I have shifted to instead of trying to catechize people as they are as they are coming for confirmation, mm-hmm. that's that is a chance and maybe our only chance to evangelize these people and to get them excited and wanting to come back. You know, we talked about the meat and potatoes thing. It's perfect for this. It's like if like there are young people that that go to our Catholic school that are that come from great families or are really involved in our youth group, and it's like there are other ways. Like we literally have other nights or other gatherings for those people. Let's go deeper. Let's get into discipleship. Let's do the meat and potatoes. And we tell them, look, when you go to confirmation, it's your job to help these other people who we haven't seen and none of us know. Um, and and they, it's calling them higher to be leaders. At the same time, while we're like, it's this whole idea of like, I just want to answer people's questions. I want to evangelize them because nobody has it. I could give the best talk on prayer anyone's ever heard. But if a kid thinks that God doesn't exist or the Catholic church is stupid because it hates gay people or because it's old school, like whatever, you don't care what I have to say about prayer. We got to start way before that, right? Right. So it is, I I started seeing it instead of like the frustration, the Facts that lead to the frustration are there, and they're not going away. That's right. So we just need to accept them and look at the situation as it is, and how can I minister to these people? How can I uh, bring Christ to these people and bring these people to Christ? Yeah, I, I think that's such a great point because whenever I do a lot of confirmation retreats and do a lot of youth talks, and um, the last uh, several that I've done just at the beginning of this year have been, you know, people will invite me to speak. They know kind of, okay, John's just on fire guy. Cool. You know, he relates to the youth. But when I come in, I, I'm, I'm straight up. I mean, you obviously heard the intro into True Faith Real Talk, right? It's like truth spoken boldly. I'm dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boom, boom, boom. So it's just like, look, I'm not even going to kid myself that, 
you know, more than half of you don't even want to be here. Right. And it's like meeting these kids in a way that's real and raw. And then it's like, all right, this guy isn't just going to be teaching me about prayers that I don't care about right now because I don't even know why I should care about it. Right. I don't even know why God exists because maybe they're going into a home that there is no God. Right they're, They don't see a Christian life lived out. Maybe they're coming from a broken home or there's abuse in their home. There's so many stuff. I come from a very troubled background, um, a very uh, abuse ridden child upbringing. So, yeah, there was no God present in my life at that moment. I had such a, a skewed view of self, God and other that it would be difficult for you to try to preach to me at a point. It's like, what do you know about struggle? Right. So fortunately right. for me, God uses my story to be able to reach those types of youth who are unfortunately in a lot of my the demographics in my area that I that I, I travel and speak to. But nonetheless, I think that's the part that we got to cut to re, the reality of is these kids need to know they need to have an encounter with God and understand why God is even relevant. Why should I care? Right. We're vying for their time. And I think it's such an important message to, um, especially the parents that are listening out there that, you know, the work of Taylor and all those that work in youth ministry, those of us who do parish based ministry or some level of trying to preach and evangelize the hearts of these kids. We, we're, we're less than 1% of the time during the week, right? There is no way we can do everything that we're asked and expected to do. And I think that's why it's pretty unfair to those that work in the church, especially youth ministers, um, because it's just, it's, it's an impossible task. We cannot replace the domestic church. All youth ministry and every other parish-based ministry should be is complementing what the domestic church mm -hmm. should already be doing, right? So my kids, for example, well, they got to hear the man of fire at dinner table, right? So they'd be like, you're not going to go listen to your dad talk <laughs> at life night? They're like, dude, I get that at dinner. Why do I need, I got, right, I right. got AP, AP classes to study. Besides, I'm not with all the stuff that's going on here because half the kids weren't really there for the right reason. They're just trick box Catholics and being forced to be there, right? So I think there's, there's just a level of encouragement for those that are in the domestic church responsible for parents that y'all got to, we got to step it up. We got to work better together. And for those out there in the youth ministry world that, you know, don't give up, stay encouraged, but realize that it is almost an impossible task to, to, to try to save the souls that are entrusted to you, but keep on fighting, keep on trying. So let's talk a little bit about, I know you do a radio show and a podcast. Um, what, what's all that about? What's the message that you bring to the world on the radio show and Forte Catholic? Yeah. So the, the, uh, so Forte just means loud and I'm loud. Uh, that's, that should be pretty easy. The logo is my face. So that's pretty easy. Like everything's really simple. We're trying to keep everything real simple. And, uh, the, the, the theme of the show is to make Catholicism fun again. I stole a uh, tagline from someone else pretty popular these days, or unpopular, however you look at it. But uh, the, in the technical sense of popular, do people know who you are? Yes. yes. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, that's the goal. I mean, it's, it's a play on the joy of the gospel, right? That Co-written by, by Francis and Benedict. So whoever you're a fan of, they both wrote joy of the gospel, so I can say that and everybody can be happy. So, um, but like, uh. like, like, so like my primary message is, look, Catholicism is a thing that we should all want to be a part of because it brings joy, because of the victory of the cross. Like, so, like one of my biggest things that I can't stand is like Catholic guilt and people being stuck in Catholic guilt. It's like, look, Jesus died for you. Like mm -hmm. he died for you. He gave you the sacrament of reconciliation for when you screwed up again after. Go do it. He says you're done. So stop sticking it. Stop staying there, right? Mm -hmm. So like the, the the point of the show is like there are so many other shows that are doing the catechesis and the answering of questions and that sort of thing. Like 
what the show is is just like if you were just sitting here hanging out with me and we're laughing and we're laughing about stuff that happened and then talking about faith you know 15 minutes in that sort of thing so like it, a lot of it comes from a youth ministry background because i come from a youth ministry background i'll do an 18 minute segment and i'll be talking about stuff and hopefully making you laugh for 15 minutes <laughs> and then that last three minutes i hit you that it all connects with a gospel point and you're like wait what it's like yeah youth ministry son and then we go off to the next segment you Boom. know like so yeah it's it's something to just bring people joy in the in the middle of their week uh and then hopefully we can all grow in faith uh being tricked to do so so what would you say um, if you were to look at the, the, the meat and potatoes of your faith today, the way you live your spirituality, um, how do, what does that look like in the everyday life of Taylor Schroll and, and the many hats that you wear? What does faith look like for you? Yeah, so like uh, it's interesting that you ask that now and we're talking right now because like I know that you know, but maybe a lot of your listeners don't know, like the difference between consolation and desolation, right? Oh, yeah. So we're like consolation is like, you're feeling it. like we talked about the emotions earlier, like God's talking to you. You're all in. Mm-hmm. I've been in that for about two weeks after about a year of desolation, oh. just a year of, of of sitting there and and trying to pray and not hearing anything, not feeling anything and like getting a ton of encouragement. Like there's tons of saints. One of my favorite stories is like there was a, a I always forget her name. I need to look it up. Um but I'm the fun guy, not the smart guy, so it's okay that I don't remember. So uh, sh- she would walk into the Adoration Chapel at uh, at the at the convent, and sh- and she would she would do something. This the thing that only Mother Superiors w- could do. She would walk up to the wood, and after a uh, the wood of the altar where the monstrance was, mm. and after every hour that she prayed, she would put like a little nick in the in the wood. So like, you know, desecrating this holy place, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like th- this little nun sitting in the back, like the nun that took the holy hour after her. And she's just like, I'm just going to sit here and not say anything because she's my superior. And what am I going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then years later, years pass. If I remember correctly, it's like six or seven years. And then she finishes her prayer. This has become normal at this point after six or seven years. Wow. And she doesn't put a nick on the altar. Like, you know, just a little like uh, like when people are in prison and they're like counting down the days, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nun, the other nun looks at her and she realizes she didn't do a nick that day. So she asks her about it. This is the first time in, in years she goes up and asks her about it. She said, oh, that's every day that I came in here and and prayed and felt and heard absolutely nothing. Yeah. So here's this nun, this mother superior, completely committed to prayer, com- completely committed to to her her apostolic life. She, so much so that she became a saint and didn't hear or feel anything for so long. And then she did. And there's that moment of consolation. I kind of like, not that I'm a saint and I'm nowhere even close to a mother superior. Striving but, to be though, right? Striving to be. Yeah. Stri- I, I try my, I, don't, I can't say I try my best. That would be a lie. I try hard. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like, like I, I've been in that for a long time. And the lessons I learned from that is like, look, you got to be committed because there, I, I'm not going to lie. Like there were times it is really hard. To stay committed to doing your best ministry, to stay committed to to your your life of prayer, whenever you've gone in for months and not felt anything. So I learned a lot of this commitment, and I failed a lot, right? Like I learned a lot about myself, and now I'm in this time of consolation where I really needed it. Like God really showed up, and like so, like pr- like that's kind of where I'm at spiritually. Like I'm happy spiritually for the first time in a long time you know mm-hmm. and uh so yeah like prayer for me it's a lot because of my background that we talked about earlier like scripture is huge for me it's always been huge for me ever since that time when i was in junior high 
praying with scripture. Um, I've got alarms set on my phone. One was going off when we started. Um, I actually had to snooze it, and it's your fault that I didn't pray because you scheduled this at my prayer time. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I my mind goes a thousand miles a minute all the time. So I have alarms on my phone at noon to pray the Angelus, three o'clock to just say, "Hey, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me." Six o'clock uh, to pray for my godchildren. Um, so my godchildren didn't get prayed for forty-one minutes ago, and it's all your fault. Nice, nice, uh, <laughs> more time in purgatory for me. I pay. I uh, I assume. <laughs> I'll see you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, okay. So that's a, that's, uh, encouragement, I guess, for those that are listening out there too, that, you know, I, you know, first thing, whenever we think, think about, uh, desolation, I always think about the dark night of the soul and the, the lives of the saints. I think about St. Mother Teresa and whatever it ended yeah. up being 40 years of just never hearing anything. And I think, you know, that's the part where, when we speak about what we were talking about earlier, about when the emotional, when the sens- sensory pleasure is gone, when that high is gone, is that, you know, just like St. Paul tells us in scripture, right, that that we competed well, we finished the race, you know, you fought the good fight. Um, and I think but we've kept the faith. And I think that's what we're all, you know, aspiring to do. I mean, I mean, we're we're having this interview at a time where, you know, just on Sunday, which was my wife's birthday, which was overshadowed by Kobe Bryant's death. You know, you think about yeah. um, that he didn't wake up uh, that and on that day thinking that was going to be the last breath, the last holy communion that he would receive with his daughter so it's a tragedy but for us as catholic it's memento mori right remember your death and to think about living as if you're ready to die and i think that um you don't know tomorrow's never promised and i think that we just want to encourage the listeners out there right that there's there needs to be a a thoughtful introspection and reflection on where you are with god and what does faith mean to you and what are we willing to do for it because i think taylor what you what you're you're highlighting is is that faith isn't easy you know, being out there, um, you know, trying to preach the gospel with people that may may or may not care to hear the gospel day in and day out and to do so joyfully and humbly and with excitement um, when you're not even feeling the presence of God. I mean, you know, that that's the cross. Um, and I think yeah. that's that's the message that we bring of hope, that we hope in Christ and that everything that we have here on earth, man, is just temporal. It's all for the eternal glory to see the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. So my brother, um, you know, I, it's really been a joy to kind of just hang with you um, and uh, to kind of get your, your thoughts on and any parting words of wisdom that you have as it relates to perhaps even evangelization, discipleship, um, anybody out there in ministry, anybody that wants to catch more of you making Catholic fun again, Catholicism fun again. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could do the plugs, but I have one question for you that's just been burning in my mind do since it. the beginning of this. Yeah. Uh, why did you? Why? Okay, so you're the man on fire, yep, right? Yep. What, why are you considering yourself Denzel Washington from <laughs> one of his greatest films in 2004? Is that where? The, is that where? Are, are you trying to be Denzel Washington? You know, I mean, there is a resemblance between both <laughs> Denzel and I. Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny. People ask about all that all, all the time. And it, it was uh, I, I share the story because I had uh, with World of Blaze, we throw conferences every year. And one of the conferences that I threw, I had uh, Deacon Harold Bricksivers, Joe McClain and Hector Molina out. And and, you know, people have always uh, or each of those guys had their names. Deacon Harold goes by Dynamic Deacon. Joe McClain out at Houston uh, goes by yeah. the Catholic Cat. 
Hector Molina goes by the mode evangelist. And I've always been referred to as somebody just on fire, just on fire, just on fire. And I'm like, man, I got to make this official. I'm going to go with the man on fire. Right. And that was twofold. (laughs) Fire of my faith. Just like just being on fire for God. I am definitely St. Paul moment. Definitely Zillafinius, that kind of thing. But I also run really hot, Taylor, to be honest with you. Get on a personal note. I I super run like 200 degrees. I'm sweating right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, So that's a little bit. It speaks to my perspiration. And uh, my body temperature <laughs> it speaks to my perspiration. <laughs> that is, not, I love thinking about Catholic media and the things that have that are first in Catholic media. No one has ever said on Catholic podcasts, YouTube, uh, in preaching. No one has ever said before what you just said. It speaks to my perspiration. It speaks to my pers- perspiration. Yeah. That is a first, and I'm I am happy to be the second person that has said that. Yeah. I, congrats to you, sir. Yeah. I applaud you. Yeah. So uh, even though it, it it rings nice with Denzel, uh, I mean, obviously there's a resemblance there, but no, it just really, um, it, it's really about my heart is on fire. So you think about Ablaze Ministries and and what you guys stood for, World Ablaze, off that same. I mean, obviously being a third order Dominican, we incorporated on the feast day of St. Catherine of Siena, which happens to be the anniversary of my wife and I's marriage and wedding. Um, And so we were taking it from, if you are who God made you to be, you set the world ablaze. And then of course, Luke 12, 49, which you alluded to was the, I came to set the earth on fire and how I wish it was already blazing. And that just speaks to my Dominican spirituality and to um, where I am with God, that I am absolutely on fire for God and for Holy Mother Church. So that was an easy question, cool. man. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, These, yeah. I appreciate yeah. you being easy on me. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of, actually answer your question. So we've got a couple of things. So one of the things that I wanted to say earlier is uh, we, we were talking about parents, right? We have a ministry. All this can be found at ablaze.us. Um, we have a, a ministry, a parenting ministry, because of everything that we spoke about earlier, that parents are the primary catechists. We as youth ministers can't do this alone. Um, so we're trying to, to build up parents. So we have uh, weekly online videos and a Facebook group. Um, it's called Beyond the Pew, like taking the faith from just going to going to Sunday from the pew and, and taking it out into the world, into your houses, and into your kids' schools. Um, so that's a resource that's there for you. It's all free. Um, I'd love for, to see people there. Um, and then, yeah, let's make Catholicism fun again. Uh, I got I got the podcast. I started doing YouTube stuff now because I saw people like you doing it, and I was like, I can do that half as good. Uh, so I started doing that. Uh, all that stuff, my speaking, I lead worship. Um, I I play video games on for, while people watch every now and then. All that is at ForteCatholic.com, F-O-R-T-E Catholic. Well, that's awesome, brother. Hey, thank you for all that you do, first and foremost, as a husband, and as a father, because that's obviously the most important role that you have, but also just as, as a son of, of God in the church and for what you do at ministry work, especially in the work of youth ministry, it's not easy. Um, you know, the, it's a certain breed. And so, um, you know, God bless you for all that you're doing uh, in, in your work in the Lord's Vineyard and for all of those at Ablaze Ministry. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to connect, glad that we were able to um, get together and, um, you know, if you ever, if you ever like slumming, man, just get me on Forte Catholic. We can make Catholicism fun again together. We can do it. We can do it. We got, we got to make this happen now, now that I know who you are and I trust you, I don't let any schmuck just come on the show. So, uh, well, so I, you can, you, you can come on, but the rule is you can't be dressed this nice. I know. I'm telling you all the, uh, all, trust me, all my viewers are going to be like, dude, what is going on? I'm like, yeah, I know. Like yeah. I said, this yeah. is the life of somebody who's running from one thing to the next. And I'm like, and I valued yeah. your time, Taylor, enough so that I'm like, I can't, I can't fit in the dress down and get the set already and get meet his time commitment. So it was for you, man. Well, good. I, so the same way you, yeah. the same way you punted on those prayers for your godchildren, 
is the same way I pun yeah. it on making you feel better about me dressing down. So, you know. <laughs> well, good. Well, yeah. Th- first, first of all, just thanks for letting me come on, man. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah. Second of all, I, the irony of you saying that you're thanking me for what I'm doing as a husband and a father. I just want you to know that I'm recording this at my house right now. And any time I record, um, we lock my wife and kids into one room. It's the game room on the other side of the house. <laughs> so in order for me to do my secondary ministry, I lock my first ministry That's... in a room on the other side of the house. That... I just, I just, I just have to be open and honest. I, you this. know, I appreciate the, uh, the candidness and the fact that <laughs> just based on the 40, eight minutes that we've spent thus far that I am actually going to be a purgatory longer because of pa- yeah. <laughs> prayers punted and that your, your family is locked in the attic uh, on my behalf. It's I okay. Pray. I've got a max sentence in purgatory, bro. It's okay. I'll, 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 whenever, whenever we die, I'll give you a high five on your way out because yeah. I'm staying there. So, so. The, the deal is when we're both being purified, if we can at least fan each other for whatever amount of time that can be to ease the uh, burning yeah. sensation that we'll be going through for all yeah. of the, at, at least in purgatory, I'll be dressed down like this. You'll be stuck in that suit. That's so. <laughs> Some extra layers as the man on fire is self combusting. So yeah. well, brother, Hey, it's been fun. Thank you for making Catholicism fun for me on this episode and uh, trust that you'll be in my prayers for you and your ministry and your family, most importantly. Um, but may God bless, bless you and keep you and, you know, continue to do your good work, bro. Yeah. You too, brother. Thanks a lot. All right. God bless. Peace. True faith, real talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Continue the conversation online. Visit johnsublon.com. Until next time, get holy or die trying. Godspeed. Godspeed.